We're recording. In LA, almost all of us who can stay home are Some are, are quarantined. Six feet. We're ready to go. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. This is Quarantstream, the show about life and the top five things to stream in quarantine. I'm Bob Christian in day 52 of Los Angeles's quarantine, which means that if there is a baby that was born on day one today, it just discovered its hands and how to use them. So let's grab a hold of that. On that <laughs> note, our guest today is, would you like to introduce yourself? This is Megan from Los Angeles. I appreciate you not making fun of that uh, reach for a joke. <laughs> 52 days, man. I'll take it. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on the show. So speaking of 52 days, this is not just another day in quarantine in L.A. This is a day of firsts. This is the first day of L.A. seeming to take meaningful steps towards opening back up. This is my first day living in Florida during the pandemic. What about you, Megan? My day-to-day is pretty normal. It's Friday, so... That means that I won't be home with my two kids without my husband for two days in a row, which can be good or bad. We don't know. We'll find <laughs> out. But uh, I'm not really chomping at the bit to get anything else or go hiking or anything. That's not really what we typically do when we have downtime anyway. So I'm going to let everyone else sort of jump on that first. Just so everyone knows, today, while we're recording, it's the first day that retail stores can deliver stuff to the curb and uh, you can go hiking on all the trails again. Your sentiment is not something that I haven't heard from other people where they're not going to go hiking this weekend because they expect Mm -hmm. it to be a madhouse. You don't want to go hiking anyway. Would you say that this first step in reopening is different in any meaningful way in your life or is it just a general movement that is kind of happening in the background of everything else. I mean, I'm excited because it just means maybe we'll be closer to normalcy eventually. I mean, I had recently made my own changes where I have actually gone to the grocery store by myself, you know, with a mask and gloves and washing my hands and everything like that. I mean, oh, sorry, not gloves. (laughs) I don't believe in the gloves because I think they give people a false sense of security. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They do because they just touch their face and then they touch their hands and they touch their phone then they touch everything else as if they're immune to something. And I'm like, it's still, it's just on your gloves instead of your hands. Hand washing is like the number one thing you can do here or sanitize if you have to. But um, that's another one where people don't do that right either because you're supposed to like pretend you're washing your hands when you sanitize, right? But most people don't do that. (laughs) I'm really curious about this. You are kind of tearing this whole, a lot of people's whole mindset apart. Your mom works at the UCLA Health Center. She's really instrumental in the way things operate there. In the conversations you've been having with people, do you think that has put you in a different, your own different mindset uh, going forward? Or do you think there's other people, the people that are closest to you kind of already shared your mindset? I think I... Basically, do you think you're better than everybody else because your mom's really important? I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I mean, my mom is very important. She's very fancy and she's very smart. You know, we had conversations about this before the quarantine started. We've had conversations since, not as many um, because she is working like crazy right now because, as you mentioned, she works at UCLA. So it's, you know, it's a busy time for all of the hospitals here in California to sort of find their normal in this, you know, and how they can treat all their different patients and all their different employees and everything to make sure that things are going forward. Because, you know, people are still having babies and uh, they opened up elective surgery in LA, Mm -hmm. I think last week again. So, you know, things are starting to move on their end too. So 
you know, the conversations I've had with my mother, and I also have a sister who's a scientist, we've discussed definitely some of these things where people are kind of using these tools, uh, but not really knowing how, you know, a lot of people are wearing face masks, they're putting them under Mm -hmm. their nose, that's useless. They're putting them under their chin between things. And then you're just breathing all of your, your breath with droplets in it onto the mask. So would you say when you see these discrepancies, (laughs) does that make you worried or scared? Or does it just make you like angry or like just frustrated? No, I it's just, you know, people are learning, you know, everyone's I have two kids. I'm into learning. Everyone's learning how to do this. And it's all new to everyone. No one was expecting this to happen. So I'm not mad at anyone. I want everyone to try to do everything they can to do, you know, to keep everyone else safe. I think my mom and my sister are both very smart. I don't think that they are operating in some kind of, um, you know, uh, superior state of mind. There's just a ton of information out there and people are choosing to believe whatever they want to believe. And unfortunately, headlines are really misleading social media is endless and, you know, news outlets have to report all the time. So um, I think it's hard for people to get the right information. So as long as they're doing everything they can to keep themselves mentally healthy and feeling safe, and then kind of keeping in mind the general well-being of those around them, then we're on the right track, I guess. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about mental well-being and like just your environment. So you live in your house. You have two daughters. One's four and a half. One's about Mm -hmm. 16 months uh, and your husband. Uh, talking about mental well-being, you made the decision early that you were going to bring your uh, nanny back for a couple days. Uh, she actually, about a month in, we we came to an agreement due to some things that were going on in her home and things that were going on in my home. I reached like a mental break with some Barbies, and a couple days after that, she reached out to me because she lives in a smaller apartment and her fiance is responsible for teaching approximately like four or five hours a day on zoom so there's no escape from the camera in her home essentially so since they're sort of in a i don't want to say constant surveillance but since her fiance is teaching all the time it's kind of nice to leave so she had approached us and then we kind of made agreements about the ground rules and you know, quarantining. What kind of ground rules? Like what What are like a couple of the ground rules that you pitched out? We had initially taken over Instacart ordering for them when it first happened. So that was like week five or six that she came over initially. Uh, we, we started with a little bit of distance, but that's, you know, not realistic with two kids. So um, we just have agreed not to see other people. Um, I know that she's very cautious and aware when she's going places. So she probably goes grocery shopping about once every other week. And I also do the same. So so you said your breaking point was with Barbies. So what em. exactly happened with Barbies <laughs> that made you decide, I got to have this woman back? I, I had a day where my daughter wanted to play Barbies, which I just hate playing Barbies. There are no rules to playing with Barbies. There's just a lot of small pieces. And we already have, we have a four and a half year old and a one and a four month year old. So... The types of toys that they play with are obviously very different, but the younger one is very mobile and can grab everything and is interested in everything her sister's doing. So um, the Barbies also just kind of inherently have lots of small parts and pieces and things that the younger one could get to. So I already don't like them, but my older daughter loves to play with them and she loves to, you know, sort of play house or whatever, but like there's no rules. So inevitably someone always has a boo-boo and they need a band-aid and then there's always like this whining voice and then she has this other like 
weird cartoon voice she puts on. And normally you would think those things are cute, but to me they're like nails on a chalkboard when we're playing Barbie and it makes me insane. So I had a little bit of a breaking point with her where I was like, I just can't play Barbies with you. This is awful. (laughs) (laughs) Has your husband stepped in and tried to play Barbies or does he feel the same way? I mean, I, first of all, I'm completely on you guys' side with the, with the rules. It's very, very hard to figure out how to play with uh, preschooler rules because they change all the time and they're very, very strict in the person's head. That's not sharing what those rules are. And they can't explain it to you. Right. Like they can't explain to you. The way that I would say, like, oh, okay, like this is, you know, this is the base, you know, when you're playing hide and seek or whatever. I was also never a big doll kid when I was little, so it's just not my place. But yeah, my husband does step in and he does play with her occasionally, but he likes to like just go, you know, Ken drinks too much, he crashes the car, and then the police come, and it's like, <laughs> I. I inevitably have to interject because it's not appropriate for him to be saying those things or doing those things with our daughter. But so then he wins, right? <laughs> Ultimately, he just wins every time. Like she thinks he's so great and so funny because he plays Barbies. And then I have to take over because he shouldn't be playing Barbies that way. And then only I can play Barbies <laughs> with her now and he doesn't have to. So it's just not fair. Honestly, that's the only way I can describe it. I'd say from from all different sides, it's not fair that you have to guess the rules constantly, and it's not yeah. fair that you have to be the one that then throws yourself on the sword. Mm-hmm. So when this all started, um, did you set yourself any goals for something for you personally or for your family, something that you wanted to get done or something you wanted to try while all this was going on? When this initially started, I was like, oh, well, you know, I kind of expected things to last for like a month, maybe six weeks. That was like my my mental spot because you know when they sent us home from work it was initially two weeks and I was like well it's going to be at least four and then you know after I was home for a couple days I was like it's going to be at least six and now here we are in eight you know no signs of sort of going back I had a few small projects around the house that I wanted to get done so in the first week we replaced the lighting fixture in our bathroom we did I painted the bathroom and we did a couple small other projects around the house that we'd kind of been putting off but during the first week my husband was working from home and we determined after that first week that that was just not an effective way for us to sort of continue uh, with things because his work is, you know, it's a full day and he would sort of take time out to help me with the kids or something like that. And then he would, of course, forget to say, oh, I'm going back to work now. And then the Mm -hmm. two kids would just be sort of left to their devices. Or if I was with one, then I'd walk out and be like, why is the baby just hanging out? And he'd be like, oh, (laughs) I had to take take this call. I had to respond to this email. And I'm like, yeah, but you just have to say it out loud. And we don't have a a large home. Our house is about 800 square feet. So the size of like a one-bedroom apartment most places. And the four of us live here and we have two dogs. So it's not hard to like have your voice carry throughout the house so that everyone knows what's going on. Anyway, uh, we determined it was better for him to go back to his office where – there's only one other person working. So So would you say it's been the easiest way for you to cope with everything that's going on because of the pandemic and because of the quarantine has been to kind of every couple of days reestablish like ground rules and like keep an open conversation or has it just been like fly by the seat of your pants and just see what happens? Like what's your strategy for, for dealing with things? I mean, for the most part, it hasn't been too bad. Both of our kids are sort of too young to have shown really any signs of understanding what's going on. I mean, my older one knows that she knows about coronavirus. She knows that there's, she calls them germs and that they're um, keeping people from seeing each other. And she's looped in there. But she didn't actually show any sort of signs of fatigue from this lifestyle until last week. Uh, or maybe it was this week, actually. And Monday, she just started being really weepy out of nowhere. And 
so she's finally like sort of getting it Mm -hmm. but yeah when we there's no ground rules i mean for the most part when i'm home i take over most of the domestic responsibilities anyway so that's just my full-time job now so you know when it started i was like i'm just gonna do all this stuff really fast and then i got through the list in like a week and a half and now it's like (laughs) let me find a new recipe to try (laughs) what are you doing for your what are you doing for yourself are you are you taking me time are you having time for yourself or is it just a constant sprint which i can tell you at least for my life between me and and my wife jade it's been a sprint like it's it's someone's always doing something or it feels like we're working from the second we wake up to the second we go to sleep, whether it's parenting, actual working, mm-hmm. uh, making food, that sort of thing. Yeah, for me, I guess conveniently, I was laid off in the beginning of this. And because I work in production, I was already prepared for there to be a writer strike. And I'm used to getting laid off. I get laid off once every other year or so for about a month at, at a time, depending you know, on how production is going in town. So so for me, this isn't like a brand new thing. So I, I, I really feel for a lot of these people who've just like never experienced this, like filing for unemployment or not having an office to go to, because um, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I know the first time it happened to me, I was like terrified, like a deer in headlights. And now I'm like, ah, I can do this for a minute, um, you know, while mm-hmm. I while I wait for the next thing to come around. So. I don't know. I kind of was like, okay, well, I'm just going to take, you know, we normally have a cleaning person because I normally work quite a bit. So she's obviously laid off from us. And then we let go of our nanny who was working for us part time. And we did all these different things. And then, and I, and I took on the responsibilities of all of those things since I wasn't working, but it, you know, it's tough. I don't really have a lot of time for myself. Uh, I have the two young kids. There's plenty of laundry we don't have a ton of space in our house so it's not like I can put them somewhere while I'm cleaning something you know it's all one sort of area so it's it's definitely presented some difficulties but like you mentioned before into the fourth or fifth week our nanny called and asked if she could come by just to get out of her house and we came up with our few ground rules and we went for it because it's the best way for all of us to sort of maintain a level of normal well let's talk let's talk about your work let's talk about the production uh, work you've done um you work in production at a major studio and you're mm-hmm. also an amazing artist. When the outbreak <laughs> began back in March, how quickly did it impact your work? Uh, was it was there a slow transition to the production closing or was it one day everything's great, the next day we're, they were being super cautious and went ahead and jumped on the closure? We had a few sort of different things happen and I can really only speak about it from my experience because I'm I'm in the art department. So while I'm very involved and I've been involved with the company that I've worked with for a long time, I'm not, you know, I'm not in the upper management area where, you know, they're determining how they're going to handle these sorts of things. So from my perspective, I knew a little bit about the coronavirus. Uh, I don't read a ton of news. I listen to NPR all the time, but, you know, that's if I'm not on the phone in the car, right? So uh, I was aware of it, you know, in February. And I remember talking to Jade about it briefly and sort of like, what what it meant you know and then towards the end of february you know that's when people were really getting sort of uh nervous about it in the united states because we were starting to see this new thing happening in my office i would say in the span of i think it was 10 days we went from sort of not having any restrictions to having a lot of signs around about how to wash your hands Uh, making sure you stay home if you're sick and then, you know, raising different flags as we went through about like, if you feel sick at all, just don't come to work, you know, use your sick days, do this, do that, which is, 
you know, sort of production is not typically like the place where they're like, stay home if you're sick. They just, it's production, you know, you just go and you do your thing. So the reality is there's a show that's being made and people have their different ways that they approach work and most people just come to work, right? I think the last week we were in production, they had started sort of individually wrapping all the foods and stuff like that. But, you know, in the span of two weeks, we went from you know, everything's fine. Mm, things are a little weird, but we're going to get through this. Okay, let's. Do and then um, we finished filming and they were like, okay, today's the day that we're going to just, we're going to stop here. Everyone's going to go home. Everyone's going to be home for at least two weeks and then we'll see what happens. So, so there's never any attempt to work from home. It was just, we're pausing the work right this second and then we'll pick up when we come back. I think it's too difficult to work from home unless you're sort of starting a new show. And the people I do know in production who are working right now are sort of designing with the intention of a a new show starting up or a new season of a show starting up. People are trying to keep production going because recently in Los Angeles, we've had so much work. Uh, And it's been great. It's been keeping people here in town instead of having to go on location for different jobs. I think people are trying to, you know, it's not in good faith. I mean, I know they're being paid and everything like that, but mm-hmm. I think they're trying to get ready so that everyone can hit the ground running as soon as possible. In our situation, we were mid-season, so our sets are standing. We know what we're coming back to, and there's no real way for people to sort of work ahead because you work as a team, and the team is 100-something people, and you're put, you know, you all have to do different things together. So we are lucky that we are looped into what will happen next on our show and i don't know that that will that will change due to this i imagine they're going to have to make some adjustments about how many people are coming in and out of the building but i guess we'll just see have they talked to you about any concrete coming back plans or is it still up in the air i haven't heard anything in a little while our show was actually able to sort of produce a quarantine episode and you know that was very sort of put onto the actors you know to basically perform on a webcam or whatever at home, their parts of this and their show. And I'll be seeing it for the first time because it's probably the first time I haven't seen a script before it's gone, you know, in a long time. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm excited to see what they did because I, I mean, it's just like everything else. Everyone's just trying to do the best that they can to keep people happy and healthy. What are your feelings about the changes that are going to come? Are you excited? Do you think they're going to be handled? Do you mean changes in production or changes in life? Changes in production. I think that'll vary from production to production. I mean, that really is truly in the hands of the producers and the showrunners about how they choose to approach this. You know, I've been very fortunate. Most of the people that I've worked for have been very concerned about the well-being of their actors and of the crew members. I would love to say that everyone I know works for people like that, but that's absolutely not true, right? So... I hope that this is like a a good way for a voice of reason to sort of come in. I mean, we've seen problems in production before. Nothing that's affected everyone quite like this except for the last writer's strike. But I think it's really going to come down to like who's at the helm, you know, because it doesn't fall to one person. The shutdown even didn't fall to one person. I watched people on other shows that I knew where um, no one wanted to be the first showrunner to pull the plug. Because then it meant that other people needed to do it. And the network didn't want to tell people to stop production at the same time, you know. And that's not specific to me. That's everyone I know was like, are we, is today the day? Is tomorrow the day? Who's going to say that it's not safe? You know, even Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. small department, we had conversations about like, should we be like backing stuff up? Should we be, you know, should we be saving files to bring home with us? At what point do you think we might have to go home? And, you know, it was all so fast. 
<laughs> like, and also so slow. Uh, but I think it was like the Thursday. So I guess it would have been like March 12th where, you know, my small art department came up with just a tiny plan, which was that everyone was going to kind of bring home the information they needed to get through the next episode if they, if, if we could, and then we would determine what to do after that. So as things get going again, like you said, you've been on unemployment before. Uh, you're on unemployment now. The COVID extension on unemployment goes through July, so it's an extra $600 a week. Do you think, are you worried about a timeline of this maybe taking too long, or do you feel pretty comfortable and pretty confident that with the way things are going and that, that your specific reduction will get things lined up in a way that's going to be completely comfortable? Um, I mean, I'm a pretty comfortable person. So, you know, when they say they're ready to go, I will be there. You know, I'm not, um, I don't think I know anything more than anyone else. And I'm not, you know, a sheep who's just going to follow, but I know that I, that I am cared for in a way where I can feel comfortable trusting those people to make those decisions and know when the right time to go back is. Well, that sounds really great. Okay. Let's jump into the lightning round questions. Are you ready? Five questions. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right, number one, what is something you wish you had or had more of? I would like an additional 400 square feet on my home <laughs> so that we had a second bathroom and like either a playroom or a third bedroom where like I could put my family in that area and then clean the rest of the house and they wouldn't have to bother me to like go to the bathroom or anything because we just have one bathroom and it's small anyway. So uh, I, 400 square feet, that's what I want. <laughs> All right, number two, <laughs> what is something you actually don't need but thought that you would? I mean, I don't really need yeast and flour. I don't need to make bread, but I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. Okay, that kind of leads into number three. What's in, what's some way you've surprised yourself throughout this? I like to cook when I have time. I just don't always have that much time. But I've really um, gotten into a few new recipes here that I've been pretty pleased with. Um, one being carnitas, another one being clam chowder. And uh, I've done I've taken a few risks in the kitchen that maybe I wouldn't have before. Interesting. All right. Number four, knowing what you knew now, if you were given the chance to change two things in the days leading up to quarantine, what would they be? Luckily, I think everything worked out fine. Uh, Dom and I were actually talking about looking at a, a new home and uh, we were kind of all lined up to to start, you know, seriously, like we were talking about refinancing and pulling money out and everything like that. And we'd made phone calls and we did not do that. And I feel like we were very fortunate that we did not do that. <laughs> but <laughs> I think if I'd known that this is where we were going, I would have, you know, made the same decisions. Now, this last question I've been asking from the beginning. And so it might be, uh, we might be past this question now, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Right now, are you thinking more about the present, past, or future? Oh, the future for sure. That's what I was going to say. I don't think anyone's thinking about anything but what's coming next now. Yeah, no, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Let's get into your list. But for, before we talk about your list, I want to know, what do you think makes for a good stream right now? You know, as we talked about before, I kind of like handle all the domestic duties. And for me, I'm also the type of person who like almost never watches television. So for me, a good stream is interesting and makes me want to stay awake past 10. <laughs> Okay, and with that, right. let's or, see. or it occupies my children's time. <laughs> okay, here we go. Top five things to stream according to Megan from Los Angeles. Here we go. Starting with number five, Lisa Loeb's Nursery Rhyme Parade. This is a video and audio series available on Amazon Prime and Amazon Music. It was released in 2016. Uh, like I said, it's both video and audio. So, Megan, what's your preferred way of taking this in? 
We've only done the video, really. We've done the video. The Lisa Loeb nursery rhyme parade uh, is something I stumbled upon probably in week two of quarantine. And I was just looking for nursery rhymes or, you know, something that my younger daughter would recognize, kind of keep her busy for a minute while I was playing with my older daughter. And I stumbled upon this. And I think we've watched it 30 times. Uh, not in its entirety, but like, because, you know, with your first kid, you can sort of control screen time and not giving it to them all the time. But with the second one, you eventually have to give in, right? Like the laundry has to get folded and the dishwasher has to be emptied. Anyway, I stumbled upon it and it just seems to click for her. It's pretty simple. And I think it must be reminiscent of the music classes or the songs that her teachers sing at school. So she immediately clicked with it. So it's like my go-to for the 16-month-old. Do you have a favorite song? And if so, is that different from your daughter's favorite song? My favorite song is absolutely Row, Row, Row Your Boat, which is what sort of instigated me wanting to find nursery rhymes. I was playing with my my 16-month-old uh, in the first week of quarantine, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do here? And I was like, I guess we'll sing some songs. And when I sang Row, Row, Row Your Boat to her, she immediately grabbed my hand and started pulling me back and forth like we were rowing a boat. And it was obviously the cutest thing ever right <laughs> so uh so i was like where can i find you know where can i find this so for me row 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 your boat is my favorite that's adorable okay it's so number four is i always have trouble saying this and i don't know why i pronounced it incorrectly number four is marvelous mrs mazel see i did it wrong <laughs> number four is marvelous mrs mazel there are three seasons currently so each season follows one overall story but each season is super different they're each a chapter of this life do you have a favorite season there's a lot of things i have liked i haven't finished season three we talked about me having alone time i don't have a lot so it's very difficult for me to have control of the tv to watch <laughs> that which is my one show that i watch <laughs> i think i really loved it when they went to the cat scales that was production design wise super fun and it was they address a lot of sort of interesting themes for that time period too so the the star of the show is clearly Mrs. Maisel, but it's an ensemble cast. Do you have a favorite character that's not Mrs. Maisel? Like, they're all so good, but do you have one that really stands out? I really love her mother. This, you know, the story arc over the three seasons, you learn so much about her and who she is. And the dad, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really... I'm so glad you said the mom. To me, she's such a good character, such a good actress. But when I think about the characters of the show, she's not for some reason, one that s yeah. stands out, but she's definitely my favorite character. So that's awesome. Yeah, I love her too. <laughs> All right, number three is Scooby-Doo. Now there's several iterations of Scooby-Doo. There's movies, a bunch of different television shows. They're available on Netflix so and Prime. So many. <laughs> Which are your favorites? Okay, so I have two favorites that I've learned about during this time. I mean, obviously I myself am a purist. I'm like all about like, the old school Hanna-Barbera, right? Like Scooby-Doo of like reruns when I was a kid. But my daughter on Netflix found um, two different versions and one kind of piqued my interest because I wasn't watching the show at all. I think I was cooking dinner and I was like, what pop punk band is this? So there is a version of Scooby-Doo from like the early 2000s where Simple Plan, that pop punk band, did a theme song for them and they were also <laughs> guest stars on the show. Wow. And I was like, what? what is this world, right? This is so bizarre. But then that leads me to what I think my current favorite version of Scooby-Doo is, which is one that she loves, which is called Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. In this version, they really go through and sort of make fun of all the versions of Scooby-Doo in the most like earnest and wonderful way where they're always like, 
you know, they've changed the line from you meddling kids to you meddling, you know, they, they, they just kind of like alter it every time, but they're very aware in this version of like all the devices they, they, they use in the original Scooby-Doo and they like to sort of call it out. But in that one, unlike many other kids television shows where each episode truly stands alone, this one really encourages you to watch the episodes in order to learn the whole storyline. So there's uh, more of a mystery aspect to it where they're continually working on an overarching storyline instead of just like it being one episode and that's it. Am I wrong in assuming that it sounds like you like this show too? It's not just for your kids. You sit down and watch this as well. I've watched this one with her for sure. All right. Number two, your number two pick is Westworld season three available on HBO. Uh, it had a completely different tone from the other seasons. So I got to ask, did you watch the first two seasons or did you just come in on season three? Watch the first two seasons. Uh, we were super excited about season three. We waited on the first episode or two. I think we we probably didn't start until three or four weeks in. So we had heard some disappointing things from other people who we knew who liked the show. But we went ahead and went for it. And I think it was good to start that way. In the way that TV is made now, I feel like you have to give everything like three episodes. And uh, Westworld season three was, I don't think, any exception to that sort of three episode rule. I like that it wasn't inside the environment of the first two episodes. I mean, first two seasons, rather. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting, very, very strong choice to kind of throw that out. But I do feel like season two started to drag and I'm glad they kind of rejuvenated it with uh, season three. So season three basically breaks down all the characters into one of three camps. And I'm dying to know which one you found the most interesting or the most like watchable. There's Dolores, which is kind of the, the strategic rebellion mm-hmm. uh, camp. There's Maeve, who's a take no prisoners, kill them all. And mm-hmm. then there's Bernard, who's over analytic and response driven. So which one do you most enjoy seeing on the screen? I think they did a great job giving Dolores like her her storyline for the whole season was really strong and interesting. And I think the way that they sort of developed her even more was great because that was one thing I think you looked for in the first season and the second season is like what changes have been made. Right. And this, I guess, personality. Right. (laughs) This robot. Yeah, I think I'm team Dolores. For some reason, I'm really fascinated by Bernard. I, he, he would be my second option. I think my biggest issue with the show is that I'm unable to forget that they are supposed to be robots. So yeah. when they get really upset or they start crying, I'm just like, but really, they're just but robots. But you're a robot. Like they're, yeah. they're just it's a robots. program. It's all a program. But I think that's why season three was so interesting. I think by the end of, the, the end of season three, they really made a connection to me that Besides the thing they're kind of beating you the head with that I don't want to give away if people haven't mm-hmm. seen the show, but they kind of make the issue connection where I did see them more as people. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. And I'm fascinated to find out what they're going to do maybe with the next season because they kind of burned a lot of bridges that I didn't expect them to burn. Right. I agree. Yeah, I'm curious to see where they go with the fourth one. I don't know if I'll be as excited when that finally does come out. Um, with Westworld season three, I feel like there was such a long time between the second season and the third season that uh, had quarantine not happened. I don't know if we would have watched it again, but that was definitely that's one of the shows that I watched with my husband. So we we went for it and I, I'm glad we did. It was totally entertaining. Uh, and I think it did you know, open up and it wasn't the same storyline as the first two seasons. So like you said, it's completely different for the first two seasons. However, season two and three do tease these completely separate parts of the park. 
So, Megan, my question is, if oh. you were going to go to one of the theme parks, where would you go? Any theme park you can you can think of, which one would you choose? I know they did Wild West, but honestly, is there an Oregon Trail like version of that? Because I would totally want to live that life for a minute. Just because we did it so much when we were <laughs> so little. You specifically want the Old West, but in the hardest possible way to survive. Yeah, I just want to in real life live Oregon Trail. Um, now, I don't know what I would pick. Maybe like uh, round the world cruise, or not cruise, but like, you know how, d- just to embark on like a Titanic level like ship situation, oh, I think yeah. would be really interesting. So, you know, what is that? The 20s, right? Something like maybe like a Jules Verne travel around the world type yes, thing? Yes, yes, yes. Something like that. Something like, give me the Nautilus or whatever. Captain Nemo style, like the real guy, not the stupid fish. I, I got to be honest. I would never have thought about that. I never would have come up with that on my own. But now that you've said it, I like really want that. Like that yeah. is, that would be such a cool thing to see. I think that would be the way I would want to do it. Because I, I feel like the, I mean, I guess the environment in all of them is very controlled. But like if you could be on like a, a, cruise liner and like the victorian era and you're going from you know like ireland to the united states or something like what would that be like you know with everyone with this intention that they're going to a new place and like everything like that because that's one thing that they don't have in the worlds that they previously go through on the first and second season there's nothing after it so i think if you were encouraging the hosts and then also the the people who are the guests of the park like that this is what you know there's something else coming how would that change their sort of day-to-day or whatever their oh, yeah, time in the really park interesting all right so your number one so moving on i guess your moving number on. one thing to watch we could talk during about this quarantine, <laughs> i know like i really want to unpack this idea more like I, now it's like well Dude. you could travel from park to park so yeah Jonah you see Nolan's all the you see hear this and he's it, gonna make this season four so i'll wait for my check <laughs> <laughs> All right, your number one pick of things to stream during quarantine is Ozark, available to stream on Netflix. Again, this is three seasons. The third season dropped right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were you a fan all along, or is this something you just got into? We just got into it. I was just kind of interested in in what the show was about. I like the cast and, and the idea of, you know, what would you film a show about in the Ozark? mountains (laughs) like what would you do there i kind of just one day asked my husband i was like let's you want to try this new show um that's old we started watching it and we were immediately hooked and actually i think it's a fascinating show to watch with your spouse if you uh are you know during this quarantine time because i feel like you can learn a lot about each other by comparing actions that you think you might take in the situation that jason bateman and laura lenny are in What is something that you have seen in the show that you have responded to completely differently than your husband, Dom? It wasn't until they get to, I mean, everyone knows the show's about money laundering, right? It wasn't until they get to uh, their their new home that we started having conversations about like, well, if I was doing this, would you tell everyone? No. Would you do this? Oh, okay. What about the kids? Would you handle it this way? You know, and, and we didn't, you know, it's, it's all for fun and it's, you know, everything. Well, like the other day we were watching an episode and Dom was like, oh, you would have totally sold me up the river by now. And I was like, yep. <laughs> like We reached our point uh, where we, where we can't, you know, and then he'll say certain things like, oh, you would totally do that or whatever. It just happens that this, that, that us watching this coincides with a, a fundraiser that I'm doing for my kid's school to sort of help support our teachers during the during their layoff because they all recently were laid off and um so i've been fundraising 
from all these parents and the number of people who are like accusing me of like taking their money. All right, Megan, having watched Ozarks, if you were going to launder money, how would you launder your money? I think using gambling as a way to do it is a great idea. Um, but I think using a cruise ship is also a great idea. So some combination of those things, you know, where you can kind of like gamble in international waters. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your list with us this week. From number five to number one, just a quick recap. Number five is Lisa Loeb's Nursery Rhyme Parade. Number four is The Marvelous... I always get this wrong. Number four is The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Number three is Scooby-Doo. Number two is Westworld Season 3. And number one is the show Ozark on Netflix. Uh, Thank you so much for being a guest on the show this week. And as a special thank you, usually I have a recommendation for what someone should watch. But as you usually tell me more about (laughs) the kids' shows that I should watch, I just want to give you a heads up to avoid Masha and the Bear on Netflix. I feel like it is the perfect combination of everything you don't like about Barbie with everything (laughs) you don't like about a bad Scooby-Doo episode at the same time. So just Uh, avoid that. (laughs) That's what Dominic watches Remy. (laughs) Oh, it's literally unbearable. I can't. I don't know how he does it. And they love Zig and Sharko. Also terrible. Oh, no, that's also horrible. I hate it. I'm going to tell you, I have my own recommendation for myself. There's a new Scooby-Doo movie coming out uh, next week. Did you know? Called Scoob. I hope you enjoy it. I'll just take credit for giving that thing. Yeah, you take it. Zach Efron is playing Fred. All right, Megan. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really nice talking to you about everything, and I can't wait for you to get, to get back to work. Oh, me either. Thanks. <laughs> Corn Stream this week was produced by me, Bobby Christian. Special thanks to Megan from Los Angeles. If you'd like to share your life or list from quarantine, reach out to me on Instagram at Civil Matador. And remember, this will end, so enjoy it while you can. Or remember, this is coming to an end, so enjoy it while you while you can. <laughs> <laughs>